This is The Guardian. Today, it's summer. Here's our guide to culture for the coming months. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I love to plan a fantasy summer. Those three months of really ambitious social activity where I promise to explore multiple festivals, discover incredible live acts, catch buzzy shows, turbocharge myself basically into the best of a British summer when everyone's feeling a bit more social, a hell of a lot sunnier and excited. Well, almost everyone. What do I like to do? I mean, I guess a nice day festival, somewhere where you can actually like sort of sit down, you can hear people, you can go with your friends and chat. You're not exhausted and dirty and disgusting. And you sort of know in the back of your head that you can also get home and go to bed. You know, that makes me sound about 85. I was going to say, does it sound like you want to be uh, at the festival? Author and music critic Michael Cragg might not sound wild about his summer fantasy, but he does have a long list of the bands and artists you'll want to keep your ears open for. What will soundtrack your back garden barbecue? And how can our culture and film critics, Alex Needham and Ellen E. Jones, help Michael find his summer spirit? I'm going to invite Michael to come to what I think is the most summery activity, which is to sit in a dark and air-conditioned cinema and watch a film, preferably set at Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good time to read the summer, whether you're going abroad and having a good beach read or whether you're just going into the park. It's a good time to bash down something really huge. Speaking of huge things, summer is of course known for being blockbuster season. All the big films, big art shows and those mega festival fixtures. We've got those covered, but our critics are also here to help you find alternative things to see and do. From The Guardian, I'm Noshi Iqbal. Today in Focus, from how to stay cool with culture to having a hot goth summer. Your guide to what's good. Ellen, can we get the summer film blockbusters out of the way first? Because there's always a battle to see which zillion dollar beer moth is going to recoup its budget and more at the box office. Which are the big hitters this year and what do you have your money on? Yeah, the summer blockbuster has been a kind of big focal point for the movie calendar since Jaws came out in 1975. And in a way, I think every filmmaker who makes one of these films is trying to recreate Jaws. You're going to need a bigger boat. And someone's done that very literally this year with uh, The Meg 2. That's the biggest Meg I've ever seen. Biggest Meg anyone's ever seen. That's the apex predator. 
Meg 2 is about a giant shark, better known as a megalodon. If you've seen the original, you'll know that it's got Jason Statham in it. Being Jason Statham, I will say no more. This was a bad idea. Just a little bit. But this one's particularly exciting, even if that doesn't excite you, because it's been directed by Ben Wheatley, Mm. one of our best British film directors working at the moment. He's the guy that did Kill List, Sightseers, A Field in England. So he's going to bring something a bit more interesting than you might expect from your average big, dumb, silly summer movie. Dr. Jones, get him. There's a new Indiana Jones film coming out, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We're thinking probably the last Indiana Jones film because well, the Harrison last one Ford with is... Harrison in it. Yes, he's getting on a bit. I'm retiring. Well, in that case, what are we drinking? But you wouldn't know that from watching the movie because they've done some, apparently, by all accounts, excellent de-aging technology on him and he's looking hotter than ever. <laughs> Good for you, Harrison. This is going to be the first Indiana Jones film that isn't directed by Steven Spielberg. Um, and James Mangold did quite interesting stuff in terms of looking at a, an iconic figure in his ageing years with the film's Logan about Wolverine. So he, th- this could be really interesting. And then my low-key pick mm. um, is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's a very complicated title. There's a lot of colons in there where you wouldn't expect them. The world is changing. Truth is vanishing. I'm quite a recent convert to the cult of Tom Cruise, by which I mean not Scientology, but his fandom. <laughs> the general, yeah. right, got it. <laughs> He's just a proper movie star, Tom Cruise. So, yeah, I think that's going to be pretty special. None of our lives can matter more than this mission. I don't accept that. So, that's a lot of big macho energy at the box office. Michael... Talking about that big macho energy. Speaking of macho energy. Speaking of macho energy. (laughs) Can we talk about this year's Glastonbury lineup? Because, you know, it is the blockbuster festival of the year. But is it just me or is there even more of an intense, distinctly male nostalgia fest going on? Yeah, I think so. I think the problem is that the more recent past, it's sort of created cultural moments or it's elevated people up to sort of a different status. So you had Stormzy a few years ago, and then you had Billie Eilish last year. And this year doesn't really have that. Arctic Monkeys, it's their third time doing it off the back of an album that has undersold and people are still playing the one from a few years ago. Elton John's is sort of, you know, quite rightly a sort of farewell to his touring life. So that sort of feels quite nice on the Sunday. But then Guns N' Roses making their sort of debut on the Saturday. It's not like they've sort of reunited specifically for this or even that Slash is suddenly coming back. You know, they Mm. were playing the Tottenham Stadium last year, I think. This has been a sort of ongoing thing. And I think it's a shame that Lizzo is sort of billed as co-headliner, but that's not how headlining works <laughs> so her being on before them is sort of odd and then you have Lana Del Rey who's sort of just landed her sixth number one album playing the other stage rather than sort of stepping up mm. and, and being a slightly different headliner did you know that there's a tunnel under ocean Boulevard? And I guess with the headliner, it's always a bit like, well, the headliners don't matter. But at the same time, it is what provokes the story of the festival in a way, in terms of news. 
Well, it's the rest of the bill as well, isn't it? Alex, I don't know if you've looked at it and thought, well, you know, I could still be the enemy. <laughs> Lots of these bands have been around forever. <laughs> but I just think with something like Glastonbury that's guaranteed to sell out, they could afford to be pushing more boundaries and just breaking new bands that we've never heard of. Is that wild and ambitious bad curating from me? I mean, I think, you know, before Elton John plays, Lil Nas X is going to be mm. on, mm. you know. Okay. Baby, bet, hey, Cobra X, hey, Wizkid is headlining the other stage on the Friday. So I think it's a bit unfortunate that you've got three headliners which aren't that surprising. Because we're coming out of this situation where the live industry was decimated and obviously they're still rebuilding from that, I think a lot of festivals are taking fewer risks with the headliners. The Killers are playing Reading and Leeds and, you know, there's no new album cycle. They're sort of just perpetual headliners of a festival every Mm. summer. Pulp are doing Latitude, which feels like a sort of perfect fit. Alex, it's this time of year that we often also see some huge art shows and cultural festivals and whatnot opening. What's coming up this summer? I mean, the big news in London is that the National Portrait Gallery is reopening after being closed for three years. And, you know, they've completely rejigged the architecture. The bar's going to be open later in a sort of bid to make it kind of part of the West End going out culture. And they've boosted the collection with a lot more portraits by women and a bigger emphasis on people of colour, as we've seen in a lot of other Mm. arts institutions. Although it starts with with, uh, Paul McCartney's photograph of the Beatles (laughs) in 1964. (laughs) So they're definitely playing it on one hand. Yes, we're doing this radical stuff. And on the other hand, it's quite traditional. But I think if it all works and the building's good, I think it'll be really nice to have it back as a space for art because it has been closed a very long time. So when you think about the summer, and I think one of my favourite markers about it arriving is when you hear music drifting out of people's gardens, when it's like coming out of car stereos. And, you know, it's the first time you hear something like Welcome to Jamrock played that year. What are your markers of summer arriving and what sort of trends do you think we'll hear a definitive sound of 2023? Mine was always when I used to hear Wild Thoughts by DJ Khaled and Rihanna. (laughs) If I hear that in the next few days, then I'll know summer is truly coming. But I guess from music's point of view, it's really interesting because we're moving back into this sort of late 90s Euro dance. That whole thing is sort of having another moment. Calvin Harris and Ellie Goulding have been at number one for nearly two months with this track, Miracle, which is very sort of piano riff, fingers in the air, like Alice DJ's Better Off Alone has been sampled by Kim Petras and Nicki Minaj on their new song, Alone. What you're saying, the sound of summer 2023 sounds like what we would have called as kids fairground music. Yeah. And I know that you're going to be happy about this, Nosheen. I listened to The Dare, who are this, who's this new guy I sort of presenting as a band, and he has this new EP called The Sex. Sex. Why am I going to be happy about this? Because <laughs> it just sounds like LCD sound system times the rapture, but then a tiny bit of like yeah. LMFAO. I want to call your mom and tell her you're the bomb. I might even see if she's into it. Sex. 
like the lyrics are really sort of bass and it's sort of like really horny and like weirdly sort of I don't know it was I a don't real, like how seen I feel it was a real throwback to like that period <laughs> Like one of the lyrics are, <laughs> I like the girls that do drugs. Girls who got so much hair on their ass it clogs the drains. <laughs> but, so has you, it, but has it got cowbells on it? I, it? It felt like that was the only thing missing for it to be this full <laughs> I don't throwback. Know, you know. And it's, so this weird, it's this weird sort of nineties noughties. Harmar superstar. Harmar superstar, <laughs> slightly seedy, slightly disgusting. I've seen those moustaches and that hair. It is back. <laughs> it is it back. back. It's back. So nineties and noughties revival is properly on. Pulp are back on tour, Blur are back again. And I definitely saw both of them on their last reunion tours. And then you've got The Strokes and Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs playing summer shows as well. It all feels a bit time warpy. What's going on? There must be something about the fact that it's so hard now for young bands to start and sustain a career because of the lack of money, the lack of record company advances, the lack of venues to play in. This whole sort of ecosystem that seeded those bands in the 90s and early noughties isn't there anymore. So now we've got no new bands. We've just got the old bands who keep going until they yeah. drop. But, you know, I hear about this TikTok thing. <laughs> I hear that's supposed to be breaking artists and SoundCloud bedroom artists. I mean, come on, where is all but the TikTok, new stuff? TikTok breaks songs, I think, not artists. You know, you've got sort of people having hits whose albums don't make the top. 75 even because mm. no one necessarily wants to sort of invest in this they just like the sound or the 30 seconds they heard on tiktok whereas i think blur their fans will buy product and product is the thing that's making labels a lot of money and it is what's getting bands to number one in the charts and i do sort of respect damon in the way that he's like look if we're going to do these tours there's going to be new music have you been in the studio recording it was, and oh, it's oh, coming oh, out in july an album yeah and the album, have you got a title for yeah, it? Yeah, it's called The Ballad of Darren. The Ballad of Darren, yes. Looked in the mirror So many people standing there They're back on tour. Let's actually do some new music for people. That's, if you're going to do it, it's better than sort of just coming back every so often with no new things for people. Like Polpa. Like Polpa. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes. I'm definitely still going to both, but are there any other releases that we should be looking forward to? Is anyone holding back an album for the summer months? Yeah, Ashniko's sort of debut album, Weed Killer. Who? Ashniko is this sort of rapper, singer. She's got blue hair a lot of the time. She's sort of in this sort of hyper-pop PC music slightly adjacent world with Ashniko. hello hello you just made quite quite the entrance uh, <laughs> tell me about your friend the bear who joined um, you so that is my psychedelic pussy bear because it's not quite a pussy it's more of like a fractal that you see when you're uh, doing psychedelics so I am um, yeah. This is how she described her music. Angry, punk, hip-hop, sad girl, feminist, bubblegum, poo-poo music. Ashniko's <laughs> <laughs> label once sent me a box of lube and sex toys to promote her last mixtape and it arrived while I was watching Bake Off. <laughs> so it was delivered. A delivery guy came to the door at like eight and I was like, oh my God, what is this? But it got you talking about her. Yeah, and this album follows in that vein of just being a lot. The world is burning, I got worms and my brain is gonna 
I mean, it's, it's a sort of concept album about a phase civilization occupied and destroyed by machines that feed on organic matter. Okay. Very odd. Odd girl summer. <laughs> Orange juice and toothpaste. I roll around in blue paint, thinking of new ways that I can self sabotage. Now that I've got whimsical and strange sci fi on my mind, I am especially excited, Ellen, about the return of Wes Anderson. Tell me more. Yes, well, the people that like Wes Anderson films will be excited by the return of Wes <laughs> Anderson. Um, uh, yeah, he's got a new film out. It's called Asteroid City. It's got everybody you've ever heard of in it, including Jason Schwartzman, who's usually in Wes Anderson films. There's also Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey White, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Adrian Brody, Lee Schreiber, Hope Davis, Stephen Park, Rupert Friend, Maya Hawke, Steve Carroll, Matt Dillon, Wow, Chow, Willem Dafoe, Margot Robbie, Tony Revolori, Jack Ryan, and Jake Ryan and Jeff Goldblum. All for two minutes each. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is it a party or a film? (laughs) Well, uh, it's definitely not a party. (laughs) I'll tell you that. Not unless all your parties happen with very stilted conversations and entirely symmetrical um, (laughs) setups of rooms. But um, yeah, it's set in in a a 1950s space camp for kids in the desert. So there's a chance for Wes Anderson to do his Wes Anderson thing with a different kind of landscape. Junior stargazers and space cadets. Each year we celebrate Asteroid Day. Commemorating September 23rd, 3007 BC, when the arid plains meteorite made Earth impact. But I just think by this point in Wes Anderson's career, we are already very firmly in our camps of people who like Mm. Wes Anderson movies and people who find them insufferably perfectly curated and mannered. Uh, Observer and Guardian film critic Wendy Eide had a great phrase for it. She said it's hermetically sealed privilege his world's hermetically sealed privilege and I hate that but some people love it Um, I don't dare ask you will it actually be funny I don't think you'll agree it will so um, funny films in general it's been a while since I watched a good one Ellen tell me there's something to laugh at this summer well, this is interesting. I think something weird is happening with comedy, especially in Hollywood. There's, there's, there's a kind of lack of confidence in the air and a sort of sense of humour fail. Judd Apatow doesn't have anything out this year, which is unusual because for a long time he had something out every year reliably, at least one thing. And, and you know, unless you count Minions, The Rise of Gru from last year, which I do not count as a comedy, <laughs> the last time a comedy broke into the, the $500 million mark at the international box office was The Hangover Part 2 in 2011. Oh, wow. So in terms of of comedies really appealing to broad audiences, which is what they used to be able to do reliably, or adult audiences anyway. That's That sort of day is over. And I think it's because of this kind of air of like the people who used to decide what was funny and who was allowed to laugh at what, just go on each other's podcasts now and worry about being cancelled and, and so on. So like it feels like comedy's in a funny place. But Jennifer Lawrence has got a, a comedy out and it's, it's, it's called No Hard Feelings. That's an innuendo, in case you're wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written and directed by Gene Stupnitsky, who's a writer on the US office. He also wrote Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz from a few years ago. And that's oh, also that was really give you good. a tone. The setup is that there's a kind of sad virgin young man and his parents pay for a woman, they advertise on Craigslist for a woman to come and date him. So when you say date him, do you mean date him or date him? Yes. Date him. Date him hard. I'll date his brains out. There's a kind of like throwback sexual politics in there that I'm really intrigued as to how that's going to land with Generation Z. I think there's something a bit a bit icky and uncomfortable about this idea that the worst thing a teenage boy can be is a virgin and how awful, you know. I thought that maybe we were beyond that, but give the film a chance. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Jennifer Lawrence is, you know, ch- charm personified, so I'm sure she can put it off. Um- Alex, can I turn to you to talk about other big comedy moments? Because it's also when Edinburgh Fringe happens and stand-ups make or break their tour. What's the buzz this year? Who's coming back? Well, it's it's the first 
proper kind of Edinburgh fringe since the pandemic, really. Mm. So things are kind of coming back on full throttle. There are people coming back like Lucy McCormick. Mm. Uh, so she's a sort of transgressive comedian slash performance artist. And me and uh, Chris, the, the uh, stage editor, inadvertently saw her twice in one day. So we saw... We saw <laughs> what? Tell us about that. <laughs> well, she did this incredible show where she performed as various female heroes from the past. So she did Boudicca, like stripped more or less naked, covered herself in tomato sauce and then rampaged into the audience. <laughs> but then went to this late night thing. She was the special guest and we were in the front row this time. Her two male sidekicks like pulled chocolates out of their own bums. You hope they were wow. <laughs> They were they were rats, but I mean that was quite it's quite an it's quite an amazing thing to see once in an afternoon. Never mind, yeah. never mind twice. So, that, but she's your pick of the summer. Well, that left it definitely left an indelible impression. Lucy McCormick, yeah. you're breaking a lot of taboos on that stage. Why is that? Mm. Well, the naked body isn't inherently shocking. We all have one. I suppose it's about questioning why that's a taboo. And there's also Dane Baptiste, who hasn't been on the mm. fringe for ages. Obviously, he's done umpteen panel shows. You guys well? You good? So I'm happy to be here as a part of, you know, helping BBC with a diversity quota. Um... His new show, I think it's quite a challenging show about race, so it'll mm. be interesting to see how that goes down. I guess a lot said in comedy about, you know, that live experience, the energy of an audience. And I wonder, is there anything similar happening in theatre? I think it'll be exciting to see Dear England, which is the James Graham play about Gareth Southgate. I think if you think back, it feels like a long time ago because of the success of what Gareth has done. If you go back all the way to 2016, mm. it, like England was at the absolute lowest ebb. And then he goes on this huge journey where he wasn't just talking about performance, uh, and results, I think he was talking about something much, much bigger about spirit and soul and character and identity. What is it to be a young English man in the 21st century? What is it to be English? So it's got Joseph Fiennes playing him, which is quite amazing <laughs> wow. in itself. The title is the same title as the open letter that Gareth Southgate wrote to the mm. nation before the Euros. I mean, Gareth Southgate is, says that he's, he's too self-effacing to go and see it himself. But I think it'd be interesting presenting a character like him in the middle of the National Theatre's biggest space, which is over a thousand-seater. I think there's something about it that might be a bit of a heartwarming state-of-the-nation thing. Coming up, slightly left-field, slightly more low-key... Our critics on alternative ways to get a culture fix this summer. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day... What would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? 
meet up with a friend, maybe a little nap. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. So Ellen, we kicked things off by talking about the mainstream box office giants of the summer. But what else is going on in cinema in the coming months? What's the antidote to the blockbuster? There's actually a real run of really exciting, emotionally effective British and Irish drama that are coming out that I want people to keep an eye out for because these kinds of films need our support and they are also the kinds of films that have potential for a real impact if you don't let them pass you by. A lot of these are also actually debut films from female directors. Mm. There's a real boom of that happening across the film industry, but particularly in, in Britain. Um, so there's a film uh, out on 16th of June called Sunlight. And this is this is by a woman called Claire Dix. What if I said you couldn't go? What if I beg you not to? You want to cop yourself on. Do what you want, did I do the same? It stars Barry Ward as a recovering addict who doesn't want his terminally ill sponsor to die. Now, in Hollywood hands, that would be unwatchably, you know, trite. But it's beautiful, really beautiful film, worth watching. Oh, we had a good day? Oh, we did anyway. I'm glad we did it. So am I. There's one called Pretty Red Dress, which is the feature debut of Dion Edwards. It's about a South London family and how they all become obsessed with this one red dress. And Alexander Burke, who you may remember from X Factor, stars in it. And the reviews are, are universally good. Apparently she's fantastic in it. Is there something you're not telling me here? Okay, I didn't do nothing. Oh, this is nothing, is it? And just a kind of really unusual film, predominantly black British cast. So, yeah, just lots of really interesting, small budget, little independent, but very... Um, exquisitely made British drama to look out for and Irish drama. So lots and lots going on outside of the blockbuster circuit. Lots of interesting things bubbling under. Yeah. Music-wise, Michael, anything of a similar vein happening for an alt summer? Alt Well, yes. Um, I went to a cemetery open day at the weekend, which I wasn't entirely sure what that meant, whether that meant you know, open caskets. But um, it actually just meant sort of Morris dancing and lots of stalls selling cakes. But it feels like it might be like a sort of goth summer this year. There's this a goth new, summer? Yeah, hot goth <laughs> summer. There's this um, <laughs> Kathy Unsworth book that's just come out called Season of the Witch. There's another one by John Robb, which is called The Art of Darkness, The History of Goth. I think Simon, the journalist Simon Price has a Cure book coming out later this year. 
the Cure on tour. So you found three. It's a trend. It's happening. <laughs> it's summer for pale people. And then PJ Harvey has her new album out. How have we not talked about that? Yeah, so she has this album called I Inside the Old Year Dying, which I just love that they picked July as the sort of peak. <laughs> Let's drop it then. And she's sort of, you know, goth adjacent. What's a goth to wear in July, though? What is a goth to wear in July? Black, of course, but just, you know, shorter, shorter versions of it. Um, So, yeah, that's my alt alt take. And as someone who... I sort of don't love summer, so I'm on the you side of the goth. You just told me you like a good day festival. I do, but I was sort of also like unconvincing because I'm also a bit like I don't <laughs> like the high pressure of a summer sometimes. You know, when you're just like, oh my God, you should be out doing stuff. Like I'm a bit like Ellen, like maybe I would just go inside and yeah. watch a film. So I'm, I'm on the side of the goths, I think, spiritually. I'm hoping you're all going to have a summer holiday this year because this is just one way for me to ask you. Naturally, you'll be reading something on the beach. What are your picks? What's on the Sun Lounger? Can you tell me, Alex, what you'll be picking up? Uh, I've really enjoyed reading early copy of The Late Americans by Brandon Taylor, which is just out, I think. So he was Booker nominated for his first book, Real Life. And then he had a second book out straight after called Filthy Animals, which was short stories. This is kind of Partway between the two is a bit more loosely structured than a novel. It's all sort of interlinked stories. But it's about a group of people in their early 20s. Some are training to be dancers. Others are on a sort of writing workshop program. And it's a little bit of a snapshot of youth in the American Midwest at the, at the moment. You know, everyone's quite skint. One of the dancers is paying for his course by posting on OnlyFans is quite kind of... Topical. Yeah, exactly. It is topical. And it's quite... It, it does feel a bit ripped from the headlines. Brandon Taylor writes very quickly, mm. I think, but it does feel very fresh. Uh, well, this isn't a new release, but I've been reading a book called Walking Through Water in a Pool Painted Black, mm. which is a kind of collection of writings and memoirs by this incredible wild, wild woman called Cookie Mueller. Um, I first came across her as an actress in John Waters movies. She's a contemporary of John Waters in Baltimore in those days. And she's in, in fact, the film Female Trouble, the John Waters film, is inspired by her. But her, she writes about herself and her own life. And she has all these wild adventures just because she's a very reckless kind of person. But, but, it, but she's very thoughtful and reflective on it. And I, and I think it's a great summary read because she'll, you'll just travel all over the world with her and she's great company. Michael, I know you have a wonderful book out. I'm not going to let you mention that as your own. Yeah, I might just reread Reach for the Stars by Michael Craig. <laughs> um, I have actually already had my summer holiday. I went to Crete. It was lovely. Thanks for asking. And I watched, I watched, I read Samantha Irby, who has mm. a new one called uh, Quietly Hostile. Just very funny, very personal essays on, you know, her relationship with her wife and where she lives and being a a, a black woman in America. My attention span is so low that I'm quite into any books that have essays in them that are funny and sort of shortish. What's your ideal ideal setting? Is it like, uh, give me a sunny Sunday in the park or let me be at home indoors being gothy? <laughs> well, I always think like, oh yeah, let's go to the park with a book. That'd be great. But then I just get like really uncomfortable laying down. I'm six foot seven. You know, I don't have any sort of like comfort. So I probably would be like in my living room, laying on my sofa with the windows open, nice cold drink, 
start reading, oh, look, there's my phone. Two minutes in, I'm looking at my phone. <laughs> so then I throw my phone out the window. Um, so yeah, that would be ideal. Or my, I, I want to go also to see my mum. I should see my mum more, but also she lives in the sort of middle of nowhere. There's a nice garden. I think that is where I should mm. go and do some reading while her dog is like at my feet, that idyllic thing. I'm going to try and do that. If you have one ambition to achieve this summer, one cultural dream, what would it be? I'd like to get actually good at taking photographs and putting them on Instagram and then, and then kind of start curating my social media persona in a more sophisticated and coherent way and <laughs> wow. get good at TikTok. Like <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge, who is my idol in all things, I want to get good at TikTok this summer. Alex? I mean, going to the other end of the cultural <laughs> spectrum than TikTok, I feel like it's a good summer to get into classical music properly i mean oh, wow. I was, you know I'm into, I'm into it anyway but given that the whole sector is in such a state of duress in the uk particularly with all the arts council cuts and the bbc threatening to cut its orchestras and the bbc singers i think that something like the proms is really worth supporting this year so it's like opens and closes with two female conductors shades of tar there ellen so mm. <laughs> i went to the proms for the very first time last summer actually and right. it blew my mind so yeah that's a good one <laughs> yeah and then there's um edinburgh international festival also has tons of great classical mm. music in it including uh, the simon bolivar symphony orchestra of venezuela all young musicians i think that'll be really special to see them Brilliant. So in conclusion, dog, book, phone thrown out the window, yep. no Wes Anderson for Ellen, <laughs> and getting your classical on for Alex. Um, so, thank you so summer. much, everyone. Thank, thank you. you. That was film critic Ellen E. Jones, music critic Michael Cragg, and The Guardian's arts editor Alex Needham. My thanks to all of them. To find links to everything we've talked about today, release dates and so on, do head to our podcast page where we've listed everything and just search for Today in Focus at theguardian.com. And if you are in the mood for more and want to combine reading with pop music, I highly recommend buying yourself a copy of Michael Craig's very funny, very warm book. It's called Reach for the Stars, 1996 to 2006, Fame, Fallout and Pop's Final Party. And it's out now. Finally, today marks a year since the murders of our colleague Dom Phillips and the activist Bruno Pereira in the Amazon rainforest. The Guardian has launched the Bruno and Dom project to carry on the essential work they were doing to protect the future of the rainforest and its indigenous communities. Do follow and read stories from that series by searching for The Bruno and Dom Project at theguardian.com. I would really urge you to read an especially moving and inspiring piece by Alessandro Sampeo titled My Husband Was Killed for Exposing the Amazon's Plunder, but his work lives on. And that's it for today. My name is Noshi Nikbal, and this episode was produced by Rose Della Rabiti. Sound design is by Solomon King. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.